Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, I'm more excited than y'all probably should, should guess or imagine. I actually just spoke with Bill Simmons the other day, and I said, y'all won't believe what we about to have on my show. But none other than one of the, my, my heroes, one of, and I got in trouble on Twitter for saying this, but the only person I know who's a better shooter than even Steph Curry, none other than Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. How you doing, my brother? I won't complain. How about yourself? I appreciate that, man. You see, he ain't even pushed back. You see what I'm talking about? That's what he <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm always humbled. I, look, yeah. <laughs> I look in I'm, the pan. Let's let's just ask the question. Let's get it. Us. Let, I, mean, I got a bunch of questions for you, but in the pantheon of great shooters, you got Reggie, you got uh, uh, Steph, you got Clay, you got Larry Bird, but you got to be up there in the top five or ten, correct? I mean, I I believe in my my abilities, uh, but you know they they got more they got more reps than me. <laughs> we got more attempts over a longer period of time, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not bet on myself if we we had a we had a shoot against each other. Uh, there you go. So look, <laughs> the way that we usually start the show, my show's the same every way, every episode, and I think my my listeners really like it is because we we try to get people to talk to us about the arc of their career. And yeah. for you, um, talk to us about your post basketball life, the arc of your career since basketballers and I know you've never really been away from it but since you left the National Basketball Association what have you been up to oh my um thanks for the question um you know I spend time with my family of course my children but uh, I do I still do a lot of training personally for myself I, I do a lot of training NBA athletes college athletes I've uh until COVID maybe three four years prior to COVID and it's starting to pick back up now I've been on the road a lot speaking uh, speaking engagements, different things, sometimes about my life, sometimes social, political, religious reasons. Um, yeah, we're, we're in the process right now also of, of, of course, you know about the book, but we're, we're doing also a documentary. And so just just trying to stay busy and just trying to stay busy. <laughs> I mean, talk to me, like, let's go through your, your life. How did you end up? at LSU, at Louisiana State University, of all places. You know, man, I was, uh, of course, I was being recruited. I was number one guard coming out of the nation. And a lot of people coming at you. What really did it for me was when Dale Brown came into my house, uh, out of all the coaches that I spoke to, everybody's promising you things. You know, by if you come here, this is what's going to happen. And even though I was young, that that always took, you know, took me back a little bit uh, because I'm like, well, look, I don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. How can you promise me something that, you know, that far ahead? But Dale didn't do that. He said, listen, we have Fesser <laughs> and uh, he was a McDonald's All-American. He was first team freshman. You'll be coming in with him. If you have what it takes, hey, you're going to play. I appreciated that. You know, I don't know about a lot of people now, young people, they might not want to hear that, but I appreciated that. To me, that spoke of a sense of fairness. You know, because one thing that I detested was I always detested this unhealthy favoritism, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, because a guy's a senior, we're going to play him because he's a senior. No, you play the, the person that's, that's best suited for the spot. So that's what it said to me. But then Coach Cars, man, we spoke about, man, we spoke probably near a thousand hours. And 90-something percent of our conversation had nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. And so to me, I felt, you know what, 
this dude right here and this place, I think, have my best interest. And that's what that's what drew me there. Let's talk about your new book, which is the reason that you're here. I got some more basketball questions because I'm going to make Shaq mad today, too, because I'm going to also let people know that Pistol Pete Maravich, then Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, and then Shaquille O'Neal um, are in the order. And Bob Pettit might actually be before Shaq, too, but that's, that's neither here nor there uh, in terms of who uh, are the LSU, <coughs> LSU greats. But why did you write this book in the blink of an eye? You know what, man? Numerous reasons. Uh, you know, one, as a Muslim, there's a there's a concept called Sadiq Ajariya, which mm-hmm. means that, you know, when you're dead and gone, right, you're still trying to find ways to get blessings. So if you build a road, if you build a hospital, and people are still benefiting when it's all, you know, when you're dead, if it's 50 years later, 100 years later, you're still accumulating accumulating blessings in in, in your death uh, in your deathbed. For me, writing a book serves that purpose. If someone can pick up that book 50 years, 100 years later, and they're benefiting from it, it can impact their life in some way. So that's one. Uh, two, I mean, we all are going through things. We, 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 we all have flaws. We, we all are working on something. And I just wanted to share you know, my journey uh, and, and how I'm navigating through life, uh, you know, whether it be growing up you know, poor with single with a single parent, not never knowing my father, whether the struggles with that, growing up being misdiagnosed for years until the eleventh grade and the struggles with Tourette syndrome. You know, you have so many people with disorders and disabilities, and they feel crippled by it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then just trying to evolve as a human being. You know, having those moments of looking at yourself as inadequate and, and inferiority complex and, 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 and really processing where did all this come from? And, and then once you find out, how do I, how do I get out of it? Right. How do I evolve out of it? And that, that journey uh, with my life and, and being able to be strong and, and hold my own and stand firm with what I believe in. But, but why now? I mean, I, are you feeling, are you feeling that you're, I mean, I had an opportunity to interview. I mean, it was weird. I interviewed her on Monday. She passed away on Thursday, the great Cicely Tyson. Mm. And I asked her, I said, why did you write this book now? I mean, you lived a great life. Why not 20 years ago? And her response in true Cicely Tyson form was because I finally had something to say. Mm. So so why now? Well, I just felt the timing was right. I mean, when you uh, when I'm out speaking, I'm getting a lot of responses, you know, from people saying, look, this is a story that needs to be told. And on top of that, uh, listen, man, tomorrow's not, you know, again, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And then you look at the, the whole uh, uh, scene of what's happening with Kaepernick situation and social activism, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, I just thought the timing was right. And uh, I've accumulated, I guess, enough data and experiences to be able to, to put a book together. And but really the impact of when I go and speak and I'm hearing things and people by and large are touched by it. And I says, you know what, maybe you know, this is the time to do it with all this happening and 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 this type of these emotions that are coming along with it. So this is why. Let me ask you this question. And I, you know, I asked this book of of every author, and the only reason I ask it is because I felt like my process had changed me. But how did this book change you, if at all? I mean, you kind of, in order to write a good book, which yours is very good book, you have to have, you have to be naked. You have to have a sense of vulnerability. You got to tell the whole truth or else it's going to be a terrible book. So how did this book change you? Well, it's kind of, I'm constantly being changed, man. But the book, 
is definitely therapeutic. When you're going through your story, there, there are pieces of you that, and I get choked up even just mentioning this, but there are pieces of you that you are not always aware of, you know, until, until you start unloading, you know, your story and, you know, that's been laying in your subconscious, right? <clears throat> so, and I know that there's a whole lot more digging that I have to do, you know, because life, life goes on. And sometimes when you write a book, you, after you were like, because you can't remember everything, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the book has to end too, or it should be writing forever. Exactly. So, um, you know, that's, that's what it's done for me, man. It's really, it's, it's, it's a major form of therapy and, and just owning, you know, owning your life, man, just not being afraid, being vulnerable, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and exposing pieces of you that a lot of people don't know, like your struggles. You know, we all we live in a society, man, you know, we live in a society from the moment we were born to the moment we die. There's a conditioning that takes place, good or bad. Images that we see, languages that we hear that influences the way we behave and the way we think. And uh, I just wanted to share some of those moments. And, you know, hopefully that when people look at it, they say, wow, because everybody's going through it. So well, this is how he did it. And if he had all of these things going and he was able to do this. And it's still a process that maybe there's a you know chance for me. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear. That is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let me ask you this. Talk about your, uh, the blackballing from the M NBA once you made your views clearer and more public. And how does a player know if the league and its owners are colluding to push a player out of the league? Can you talk about what it's like to see people essentially take away your livelihood? And do you have any regrets or anything you in your in your wisdom, not your age, although you do got a little salt and pepper going on right here. Yeah. In, your, in your wisdom, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? Okay, you asked me, I mean, actually, let me, let me deal with the last one first. Um, always in hindsight, you know, with the luxury of hindsight, you can look back and say, wow, if I had that opportunity again, uh, I wouldn't change the fact that I, I made the decision. But I would have probably, I love what Kaepernick did. You know, how he came out of that and he, he had a program, he had a team, right? Well, he sent food to Africa. He worked with the, uh, the inmates. He yeah. did the Know Your Rights campaign. You know, he yeah. had an action plan together. Um, that's something that I would have said, man, I would have loved to, that, that little part, 
do something down those lines. Not that I wasn't doing something, but not on the level that he did it. Uh, you asked me another question. What was it? Um, how did you know? I mean, let, I mean, how do you know when an organization or when a league is colluding? Because a lot of people are conspiracy theorists. And some people will say, man, look, he was good, but he was too little. And he ain't never played no defense. I don't know. The defense thing might have had a little validity. But, you know, he was. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> so, that, that wasn't even valid. Because I'm scoring 25 and they scoring 20, they can't play defense either. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. But you know what? It's not always easy. But you look for patterns, right? And at first, I was, I'm not that person to just jump to those conclusions, even though I'm angry and bitter and all of that stuff and I don't like what's happening. But as you begin to, to really pay attention, like you say, okay, usually when I don't play, there's a host of reporters coming and asking you questions. Why are you not playing, right? And then you look at that season, like, man, not even a handful of reporters are even coming and talking to me anymore. And then you're looking at the fact, too, like I'm still, I still can play. But then you start getting coaches' decisions, you know, they're just not putting you out there. And then you're starting to hear from other coaches. And then there's a, there's a, there's a special that comes out about the top free throw shooters in the league. I'm at the top. I'm one of the top or the top in the league. They don't show me one time. So you're like, hold on, this is this this don't this is not right, you know. And so that's when you start to 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 feel it first. But then you kind of know after a while, like when calls are made. My agent at the time called Coangelo at Phoenix, mm-hmm. and before he can even get into his spiel, you know, I'm still in my prime. Coangelo cuts him off and said, look, we're not interested. It has nothing to do with his basketball either. Oh, man. I said, oh, really? And then you go to this this, this summer league, and then you, 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 you're told by an assistant, look, man, we're looking for a guard in you know, the Clippers. Belgian want to talk to you. So you come back the next day, you're sitting, you see Belgian at the scores table, and you're just waiting on him to come up. Like, what's taking so long? You know, I, I, this is my off day. The guy comes back up, and he says, man, I apologize, Mahmoud. I said, for what? He said, man, Elgin don't want to talk to you on account of what you said, you know, on HBO. I said, man, I chuckled. I said, I appreciate you coming. I I appreciate you having the courage and the guts to come and tell me that. You know, and I just I just left the gym after that. So that's when you know it's bigger, you know, bigger than the game. Can you talk about the point when you made a decision to protest the national or during the national anthem? If if you call it a do you I don't even know. Do you call it a protest? During the national anthem, how do you describe it? Uh, well, I was definitely protesting the anthem. Uh, I'm not well. No, I wasn't. I was I, yes. The 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 anthem, the flag was a symbol, right? But I was really. I mean, and and I was using that. But I was protesting just against injustice, right? That 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 I felt that was taking place for me. It, I mean, it started maybe four, maybe four to six months the previous season. And it was as a, as a result of, man, me just reading a lot, coming across information I'd never come across before. And I felt cheated and I felt, uh, uh, you know, I developed a conscience, you know, because I grew up in the ghetto. I grew up without health care. I grew up poor. I grew I know what that feels like. You know, and so I'm starting to look at all of these things, you know, the Noam Chomsky's. And I say this a lot, you know, these authors, the Kawanzakun Jufus, the Amos and Will. I'm reading. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea. Right. 
this is bigger than what I thought. And so, and then I became a Muslim and God tells us, you know, stand up for justice, even if it's against yourself. And there's so many other verses. And so I, I just couldn't see myself. And even to this day, uh, standing up for it. And so, but that's where it all came from and more just my reading, my relationships with people, having dialogue, becoming aware of more of what's happening in the world. And I said, no, uh, that's not for me. And I, I had, to, I had to take a position. Did you expect the league to react like they did or the nuggets to react like they did? Cause nobody had seen any, I mean, I guess it, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of the timing, but Craig Hodges was blackballed, but that was totally different. Um, have we seen anything they hadn't seen anything like that before you. So how did you expect them to react? You know what? I wasn't even thinking about it because I was literally, I was so at that, even now, I was, look, my mind was, I just want to live the truth, you know, the way I see it. I don't want to be silent anymore on things that I, I feel that it's something I have to say about. You know, and so I didn't really, I guess that's a great question. I guess I would say, no, I didn't, I didn't really anticipate uh, or say that I, that's a, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> I, look, I know historically things have happened, the Muhammad Ali's and all of that. Yeah, you know, the Tommy Smith. you're asking about, yeah. me about, yeah, you're asking me about the flag. These are, and this is why I say this. These are conversations, man, we have all the time as teammates, like on the bus, on the plane. We talk about yep. America. We talk. So we we juggle these concepts. So you ask me, I'm just having dialogue. I'm telling you what I think. And before I knew it, I'm coming to practice. Journalists are there. I'm looking. I still at this point, like I'm thinking, well, Shaq is in town. We, we're on the same team. And when they ask me the question, what do you think? What do you think about the American flag? I said, oh, I'm, I'm still on the same stuff. Hey, white people, black people on the streets, people talk about this stuff, but it's something about when you go public with it. So I wasn't surprised though, but I didn't necessarily at the time think that it would end up that way. Did you have a conversation with David Stern before his passing? Or yeah. have you had a conversation with Colangelo or Elgin Baylor or has the league has the league made a step to accept you back in the family? No. Um, and, 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 and I've never, never spoke. The only time I spoke to David Stern, two occasions in my life, when I was drafted in New York on that podium. And when he was walking through a locker, through the locker room at Vancouver, and he didn't realize I had gotten back into the league. And he had walked up to me and he, and he paused. He was, he was shocked. And he reluctantly reached out his hand and people were watching, you know, like they were like seeing what was happening. And I reluctantly reached out mine and like the little fingertip, <laughs> fingertip, yeah, handshake. And he said something to me. I can't remember, but it was a sly remark. And I said something back and kept it moving. But even during that time, media was saying, oh, he's going to New York to meet David Stern. That was a bold faced lie. I never talked to David Stern. We never had a meeting schedule whatsoever. That was just for public consumption to say, I guess the NBA to save face, but I never talked to David Stern outside of those moments. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, 
you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Let's, I know we're, we're running near time, but this I could have this conversation with you for an hour. In the blink of an eye, you know, if you could give it to LeBron James and Chris Paul and you could give it to, you know, Car- Carmelo Anthony and kind of the leaders, maybe some of the new guys like Zion Williamson and Alonzo Ball, and et cetera, um, what would you want them to get out of your book? If I was to sum it up, uh, Life is about leaving a legacy. Uh, and you, we always have to question the type of life that we want to live, regardless of the circumstances, whether you have wealth, whether you, you know, whatever your, your circumstances are, it's all about choices. And, you know, George Washington Carver says something that I live, I, I live by constantly striving for, to leave the right type of legacy. He said, no one has the right to come into this world and go out of it without leaving behind distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. And for me, I think the greatest legacy is having one connected to the creator that gave us all of this and that creator uh, uh, drives us towards standing up always for justice, period. When you first caught wind of Kaepernick's protests, how did you respond to him, how did you respond to players taking a knee? How did you respond to how widespread it was? And were, were you worried that Colin would receive the same and subsequently did, but were you worried he was, would receive the same fate that you did? Uh, how did I respond? I, of course, I didn't have access to him. So I just reached out on social, social media and I think I said, look, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. I just wanted, for the record, if, if he caught it and got it for him, him to know that, Two, uh, I also knew, look, he's getting ready to get it, right? Because I've been through it. And I know how it works. And I started telling people, I said, one of the first things, well, they're going to condemn him for sure. They're going to make it seem like he doesn't have a mind of his own, that he couldn't think of these things possibly 
you know, on his own, come to this conclusion. Somebody had to convince him. Then they're going to, you know, uh, uh, condemn him to the point where also they're not going to play him as much. And so when not played, there's this sense that the argument they can use, well, we haven't seen him in a while. Maybe he doesn't have it anymore. We don't know what he can do. And that's a slow way of just weaning you out and getting you out the league. And, and pretty much everything I thought is what happened. Um, so it, it wasn't, it was a, it was to me, it wasn't even a worry if it was like, <laughs> it is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. You, 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 uh, you chose Kaepernick publishing as your publisher. Why did you choose it? And for people who may not realize that Colin has a publishing outfit, what makes this publishing company different from the other publishing houses that I'm sure would have taken this book on? Well, well, um, Kaepernick and, and I don't know if it's something that they want me to divulge, but, uh, I don't think there's any publishing company out there that's going to give you the, 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 the type of percentages term that, that, that let me call Colin, man, I tone, you better have, you better have Colin call me. Because really, really one of the things they told me from the door, they said, listen, oftentimes when you go to these publishing companies, uh, they want the rights to your story. And we want this to be a company that no, you, this is your story. You own your rights. You know, we're just partnering with you. And that made sense to me, but also just the parallels of, you know, what happened to him and what happened to me. I thought it would be a great marriage, you know, to, to do this together. Because uh, we have so many parallels with, you know, protesting the injustices by, by way of the flag, the, the condemnation that occurred, the, de the, the death threats that, that occurred, the loss of career that happened, you know, all of those things. So it's, it's a great marriage to me. Yeah, one of my last questions is about your faith. What role does your faith play in your activism? I know, I mean, I read your book and I every, kind of knowing you are a man of faith, I've read every page through that lens, but Thank what role does faith play in your activism and the man you are today? Man, even though none of us are perfect, and we're all, we're all working on something, man. For me, my faith governs everything I do. I mean, from the way I walk, the way I try to talk, how I am with my family, how I am with speaking out. I'm not perfect, but I use it as a blueprint for everything I do. Uh, uh, and that's the only way that, that I plan on, you know, approaching it. So that's what that's what my faith means to me. Does my mood I do or I watch the NBA right now? Yeah, I do. I, I, I'm watching more during the playoffs. <laughs> who, 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 who do you appreciate? Well, whose game do you think is one? Because you're one of the greatest. And like, one, at least, I mean, look, people gonna, may nod their head and say, well, he's one of the greatest college players or whatever it may be. But they didn't have pure shooters who could create their own shot like you. Uh, I mean, you see it in Steph, but that's probably the only comparison. So. Who do you watch? Who do you think uh, it rises to that level? Man, you know, I love watching Steph. I love watching Dane. I love watching, you know, I, I just love watching skillful guys, man. I like watching, you know, as, aspects of Kyrie's game. I, I mean, even bigger guys, you know. I love a Devin Booker. I like his game. I love Chris Paul, Devin Booker, where he's, you know, his father was a, a opponent of mine in Mississippi, you know, so. But he can, man, I love his game. He has a mature game. You know, he had that game for a while. So, uh, 
those are some of the guys, man, I enjoy watching. Uh, Chris Paul, I still love, I love watching Chris Paul. And plus he's got that age and he's still, I mean, he's crafty. He still gives it to him. Man, Chris Paul old enough to play in the big three with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, Chris Paul, man, he, he still gives it to him, man. He still gives it to him. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Well, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, I want to say thank you for everything that thank you have done, everything that you are doing, but even more importantly, everything that you will do. So peace, my brother. Thank you, more. More peace to you. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.